to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 15. I mentioned last week that we would be spending basically from then until Easter looking at the most central, the most foundational principle that is the Christian faith, and that is the cross. No cross, no Christian. We are who we are because of what Jesus did on Calvary. Now that gets extended into the greatest moment for the church in what he then accomplished on Easter Sunday. But this begins at the cross. For the next several weeks, I want to now look at different people that were in proximity to the cross. I want to look at different figures that may often get overlooked as we look at the cross and see how we can learn from their experience as well. My subject this morning is a man passing through the crowd. I want to look at different people that were part of the Lord's journey that I believe we can learn something from. So today, I want to look at Simon of Cyrene. Gospel of Mark chapter 15, I'll begin reading in verse number 16. It's a long passage, but how many know reading lots of scriptures is never a bad thing? Mark 15, beginning in verse number 16, Then the soldiers led him away into the hall called the Praetorium, and they called together the whole garrison. And they clothed him with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. And when they mocked him and took the purple off him, and put on and put clothes on him and let him out to crucify him then they compelled a certain man Simon of Cy- of Cyrene the father of Alexander and Rufus as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross and they brought him to the place Golgotha which is translated place of of a skull Then they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour that they crucified him, and the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. So the scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was murdered with the transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves with the scribes said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Now that's a story many of us know, and it's real easy to focus on the major components 
of what happened that day. And yet I want to take a moment and focus on this one man. Now I'm going to engage our imaginations a bit, going by the implied details to fill in the story. Simon was born in Cyrene. He was raised in a dedicated Jewish home in this North African city called Cyrene. I call it a Jewish home because his parents, obviously of an expression of Jewish faith, named him Simon because that's not a North African name. As he grew, like any Jewish person that was scattered throughout the Roman Empire, he must have dreamed that one day he would have the awesome privilege to be able to travel to Jerusalem. And not only travel to Jerusalem, to be there for the Passover. This would have been the dream of every Jew throughout the empire or throughout the known world. Now, we don't know if this was his first time in Jerusalem or his first time in Jerusalem for the Passover. And to add to the joy that he has in being in Jerusalem for the Passover, he is there with his two sons, Alexander and Rufus. This would have been a time of great anticipation, a time of great fulfillment, and a time of great joy. But as he enters Jerusalem with his two boys, they sense something is wrong. The city is in an uproar. Everyone is talking about this teacher from Galilee. He finds out the teacher's name is Jesus. He finds out that this teacher has a very large following. He also finds out that people on the street seem to be completely divided about who he is. Some felt he was the long-awaited Messiah. Others were saying he was a false prophet. And the leaders of the temple were fixed and focused on putting this man to death. Simon and his sons are entering the city for the great day, for the great celebration of Passover. And instead of hearing songs of celebration and other joyful noise, this is the scene that he and his sons come upon. This man is bearing a Roman cross. Blood is pouring down his face. And a crown of thorns is on his head. This man has obviously been beaten and received a lot of pain throughout the journey to this point. The weight of the cross has become so much that he's not able to carry it any longer. Some in the crowd are throwing things at him. Some are even spitting on him. Just then, the Roman soldiers decide this is taking too long. And he's not able to carry the cross any longer. And they'd like to finish their assignment and move on. And they look around for someone to carry the cross the rest of the way to Golgotha. Ever been somewhere and have something happen that made you wish you were somewhere else? That must have been what Simon of Cyrene felt that day because the eyes of the soldiers fell upon him. You, you carry this cross the rest of the way because Simon was a Jew under Roman law, he could not refuse. Roman soldiers were able to, just on a whim, on a moment's notice, on the spot, enlist any Jew to do anything, to refuse. Well, if Simon had refused, there would have been four crosses that day. 
This is how Simon of Cyrene meets Jesus. Now, more than likely, most Christians that I know, because of their relationship with the Lord and their dedication and devotion to him, would, have said, would say they would gladly have helped carry his cross that day as long as they were physically able. They would have gladly stepped in and taken that burden. Well, I want to proclaim today that in a very real sense, each and every day, we get that opportunity. You see, the cross then symbolized shame. It symbolized guilt. It symbolized reproach. The cross back then symbolized the power of the Roman Empire to be able to control the lives of those there. The cross symbolized also for us what it cost the Lord to do the Father's will. Brothers and sisters, nothing has changed. In our culture today, the cross or the Christian life represents shame and reproach. People just don't get it. Living for Christ is likened to backward thinking or old thinking or thinking that doesn't keep up with the times. We're out of touch some way because there, these, these all new ideas are so much better. Still waiting for the proof on that. Following Jesus today is seen as being, and I've heard this way too many times, as seen as being on the wrong side of history. I want to tell the world today, Jesus is history. So if you and I are going to choose to follow the Lord, if you and I are going to choose to obey his teachings, if you and I are going to choose to carry the cross, it's going to cost us. Just the way it cost him. So I want to focus on three things that I see in Simon of Cyrene that I believe can bless and benefit us in our daily walk, in our daily taking up the cross and following him. First, I see actually that Simon is a man of character. How do I know that? Scripture says he was just passing by. Now, I know it's been over a year now, or almost over a year now, since I've walked the streets of Manhattan, but I learned pretty quickly in the decades I worked in Manhattan, oftentimes when I saw a commotion, I would just pass by. I would just kind of move along. Scripture says he was just passing by. He was not part of the crowd. He was not part of the drama that was unfolding over the past number of days, culminating in Golgotha. He was truly, he really was, minding his own business. Simon probably awoke that day with an agenda like all of us have. I've got this to do, I'm going to have my list, and I'm going to go through it. And he wanted to accomplish it. And I would imagine many of the people in that crowd had the same thing. But Simon was just passing by, and was compelled by the Roman soldiers to enter this scene. So were probably many in the crowd. And yet all of a sudden, while they were doing one thing, while they were doing this or that, while they were fulfilling their day's agenda, they turned their attention to something else. It really amazes me sometimes how distracted we can get sometimes. 
If ever there was a time for God's people to stay focused, if ever there was a time for God's people to be on point about what it means to be a believer, to be a follower of Jesus, it's now. Focused on the major points of the gospel. Focused on the love that Jesus came to give. Focused on the joy that we experience each and every day. Focused on the freedom and the power for daily living that Jesus came to give. Our culture gets distracted by many things. We'll be doing one thing and then we'll hear something. And all of a sudden, what was the top priority in life now shifts and this becomes the top priority in life. Me, I'm going to follow the example of Mary in the story of Mary and Martha and sit at Jesus' feet and hear him say, I've chosen the good part. That's from Luke chapter 10, verse 42. We can get so turned in different directions by the things we feel sometimes. But there is joy, people of God. There is joy in choosing to decide to fix our attention and focus our minds on following Jesus. There is joy in staying true to the cross. Simon was just passing by and probably would have kept passing by had the Roman soldiers not compelled him. Simon was also a man caught up in circumstances. Simon was an innocent sufferer that day, as was the one whose cross he was carrying. In looking at some of the background, Cyrene was a farming community. So Simon more than likely was the figure of a man that represented a farmer of that day. He was physically strong, able to endure long hours in the heat. So as the Roman soldiers looked for someone to be able to carry this heavy cross, they looked for someone who fit the part. They would not choose someone who was going to make the journey even longer, who wouldn't be able to carry it. Now if we're honest... Many of the disappointments we face in life are because of our own sins and our own poor choices. But equally true is that many of the things we go through, many of the situations we experience, many of the disappointments we have are because of the poor choices of other people. So the next time someone says, well, I live my own life, it doesn't impact anybody else, you have my permission to laugh at them. Because we are all connected. The notion that I do what I want and it affects no one else is to me, it should be the textbook definition of the word insane. Simon is an example of somebody having pain because of the poor choices of other people. In this case, the poor choices of that crowd and the Roman soldiers. But Simon's story is also one where we can see that even in the midst of experiencing pain because of someone else, we can also have a story of triumph. Romans chapter 8, verse 37, you know the words. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. Somebody in this place say amen. Which is in Christ our Lord. 
no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to me by my own poor choices, no matter what happens to me because I'm connected with somebody else who's making poor choices, I can still walk through this life more than a conqueror. Bad things will happen as the result of what other people do. But with Jesus, we are not dismayed. We are not downtrodden. We are children of God and more than conquerors. But in keeping it real, having the label more than conquerors, let's be honest, sometimes we don't feel like more than conquerors. It's, there are times where you feel like I'm a conqueror and you really got this thing about you where you're standing and you feel like you have armor on and you've got a sword in your hand and you're saying, bring it, devil. And there are other times, yeah, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved us. Hallelujah. It's in those times when the battle has been long and the difficulties have seemed to go on forever. That we can take the words of Jesus to heart in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. And I will give you rest. How many know how precious a thing rest is? On the way to church this morning, my wife was sharing with me. Rest is not laziness. Unfortunately, you and I are not the ever-ready bunny. That we can just keep going and going and going. Rest is a part of being able to be more than a conqueror. It's our recharging station. It's our ability to get in a place where we can focus our mind and rest in him. So circumstances arise. Things happen in our lives that just don't seem to make any sense. And we look at the Lord and we say, but I didn't do anything. I was just minding my own business. And this person made a wrong choice and that person made a wrong choice. And I was just trying to help this individual. And because of that, they made a wrong choice. And now I'm the one in pain. Yes, that happens. But we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. So Simon, I believe, was a man of character and also a man caught up in circumstances. My third point, and it begins with a question, was Simon of Cyrene converted that day? Well, Mark identifies, as we read, that he's the father of Alexander and Rufus. That's in verse 21 of the passage we read. In the book of Romans, at the end, when Paul is saying a farewell greeting to everyone there, he mentions in Romans 16, 13, greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Is this the same Rufus? We can't know for certain, although most historians, even non-Christian ones, think he was but if so that means that Simon's life was turned around that day and how could it not be his family was changed because how many of us know that when one person in the house gets saved it makes an impact on everybody else in the house 
On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Luke specifically talks about that there were people there from Cyrene to hear Peter preach. But I'm wondering, what did Simon see in the Lord and in that whole scene back in Mark 15? Because some could say, well, all he saw was bitterness. All he saw was hate. All he saw was shame. All he saw was the power of the Roman Empire coming down on someone who was completely innocent. Yeah, with natural eyes, that's what someone can say they saw. But I believe with spiritual eyes, Simon could have seen he saw bitterness turn to belief. He saw hate turn to hope. He saw shame turned into the salvation that you and I have today. As Simon watched the whole scene unfold, he had to have been reminded about what the Hebrew prophets said in Isaiah 53, verse number 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And church, by his stripes, we are healed. We are healed. I believe our world has a really different perspective on healing. It wants to see healing as recovery from an illness or injury. Yet there be no evidence that the injury or illness was ever there. And I I say that because of all the effort that's made after someone recovers, especially from an injury. And one that leaves a scar, all the effort that's made to remove the scar or hide it in some way. I mean, I was reading something this past week and it just struck me that the resurrected body of Jesus had scars. The resurrected body had scars. Scars are not a testimony to past pain. They're a testimony to God's healing power. We want to be people who heal from the wounds, and when you heal from a wound, how many know there's a scar? And we can tell people, yes, I was hurt, I was wounded, I was in pain, but Jesus stepped into my life and turned things around. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. So I don't know where you are today. You may be going through a very specific struggle. You may be going through a very particular issue That's of your own doing or of someone else's doing. Or like Simon, you may be just seemingly in this place in life where you're just passing by. If you recall nothing else from this message, I want you to remember these words of Jesus in Matthew 16, beginning in verse number 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross And follow me. 
For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's not popular preaching. It's not a popular concept. It's not what most people communicate when they talk to other people who were non-believers about the joys of becoming a Christian. Yeah, come to the Lord and you're going to have to take up a cross. But we are called today to carry the cross. We are called today to bear the reproach. We are called as his people, as his disciples, to walk and obey his ways no matter the cost. But what about if the whole world turns against, uh, turns against me? Though none go with me, still I will follow. I have decided to follow Jesus, not because it might be the most popular thing on the planet, not because it may be written into some law. I decided to follow Jesus because of what he's done in my life and what he does for me today. No matter the cost. And the symbol of the cross is a reminder to all believers that there's a price. There's a cost in following Jesus. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We are called to carry a cross today. We are called to carry it every day. We are called to bear the reproach since unless you've been in a bubble somewhere, you may have noticed that being a Bible-believing Christian isn't the most popular thing in our current culture. Maybe I'm just the one who sees that. That when you tell people you're a Christian, all of a sudden they look differently at you. They don't see someone they respect. They don't see someone that they admire. They see you with suspicion. Anyone who would have been put on a cross in Bible days, even without knowing any of the facts, any of the reasons why they were there, would have been suspected for some reason because, after all, they're on the cross. Why would you be there? Church, we need to take up our cross today. We need to let people know that we serve a risen Savior, but one who died for my sins and theirs. One who gave us commandments, not suggestions. One who came to give us a love and demonstrated that love and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. So my call today is let's take up our cross and follow him. And church, let's do it with joy. Let's do it with joy. Let's do it knowing that we are following a risen Savior and that his power has made us more than conquerors through him who loved us. Stand with me, please.